No, Happy New Year. It's always a joy to be able uh, for us to start out this year in the midst of community. Um, it is a very unusual end of the year. It is a very unusual way to start a new year as well. But in the midst of everything that we are trying to, uh, you know, get used to, let's not miss out on the joy, on the celebration, on the reflection. Um, it is a very unique year, and yet some things continue to remain the same. God's faithfulness, God's goodness, His provision, His sustenance, His mercy, His compassion, all these things, they continue to be steadfast in our lives. And so uh, as I begin today's uh, first service for the year, I wanted to share uh, one way in which I cope with a lot of, you know, different transitions and, you know, uh, different uncomfortable realities. Um, it is with humor. And that's just kind of the way that I have learned over the years to cope. And so I have a few uh, somewhat funny and s some of them are a little on the more on the dark funny side of a few memes versus start the year. And so the first one, can we show the first one? Yes. So 2019, we look normal. 2020, we use, you, we've used masks all year. In 2021, this is a year of protruding ears. I think they've, <laughs> they've our ears have gone through a lot in the last year. What about the next one? Therapy dogs in 2021. <laughs> um, after such an eventful 2020, uh, therapy dogs, you know, and whatever, you know, uh, you know, therapy animals people use, they're going to be very shocked um, to try to help us deal with the aftermath of 2020. What about the next one? This one's a little bit harder to get. <laughs> yeah, it takes a, it takes a second. So this is kind of just like. Picking fun at people who say, like, finally 2021 is here, everything's going to change, and then it turns into 1160 instead, and it's basically just a continuation of the last year. And uh, I have a couple more for you. Um, yes, for all of those who think, man, okay, 2020 is finally done with, uh, we are safe now. Uh, we can let our guards down. Uh, this is kind of a, a darker, funny one. And then uh, our last one, it's a little bit even darker. <laughs> I just thought this was funny. Somebody just put uh, Photoshop Godzilla behind there as well. All right, that's all I have for you guys. Um, yes, so... Happy New Year. Happy 2021 to you guys. Um, you know, typically the start of the year is a time when many people make New Year's resolutions. And I, for one, am not a very good New Year's resolution keeper, but some of you guys are really good at this. And so for some, you know, uh, a New Year's resolution is to eat healthier or sleep earlier or work out more regularly. For some people, it's to call your parents more consistently or or to keep to a budget on a monthly basis, or to clean out your closet and Marie Kondo. I don't know if you guys remember, but this time last year, everybody was cleaning out their closets. Uh, for some of you guys, um, just in, in the last week, you finished reading the Bible in a year. And for you guys who finished, congratulations, you guys made it. it. It does become very challenging towards the end of the year. But if you guys cross over that line, then congratulations. For some of you, it might be the first time that you actually read through the entirety of the Bible. And so this is a huge, uh, you know, accomplishment. Make sure, you know, you congratulate yourself, you pat yourself on the back. And for those of you guys who are still catching up, you know, 
There is grace, you know, finish it out, even if it, you know, it takes a few more days. Uh, so don't give up on it just yet. Uh, you know, some people, they're like, oh, well, I didn't make it. And so I guess I'm just going to leave it at wherever you left off. Uh, but don't do that. Just finish it out. Uh, and just the fact that you embarked on that, that alone is a reason to celebrate. So New Year's resolutions are great. They are tangible, they are practical, they are attainable short-term goals uh, where you commit yourself to something for the year. Uh, there's something uh, different that a friend of mine actually did, um, you know, and, and he posted this up on social media, and I thought that this was kind of interesting. Uh, so a friend of mine, he actually posted something saying, uh, instead of the usual New Year's resolutions, where I typically set out a list of items to accomplish, I've decided to try something different by giving myself a set of aspirations to embody this year. And so he wrote, you know, I want to be a more patient husband. I want to be an adventurous father. I want to be a reliable friend. I want to be an authentic leader. And so these are different things that he didn't just want to do. So different actions that he wanted to do this year. But it's actually, um, who do I want to embody? Who do I want to become this year? And I thought that that was a really interesting take on, you know, starting out the new year, it's not just what you choose to do. These things are very practical and are very necessary. Yes, but even coming up with that list, you first have to ask yourself the question, what kind of person are you trying to become? You know, there's you know times when, you know, I've been going through a really rough week and I find myself, you know, really, you know, stressed out or, you know, very uptight. And I realize, you know, I kind of take a step back and, and I realize, like, this is not the person I want to become. Yeah, like, you know, there's times here and there that you know, require you to be on the ball and, you know, to be you know, very detail-oriented and on top of it. Yes, but overall... If I see myself, if I take a step back and if I see myself becoming an anxious person, it's not just that I am anxious, it's that I'm becoming an anxious person or I'm becoming a stressed out person. I'm becoming a short term tempered person. Uh, when I, when I see that I need to hit the brakes and I need to realize this is not just something that I'm uh, a way in which I'm behaving. This is a person that I'm becoming. And so this is just a very different way to look at, uh, you know, to reflect on the year that you've had, but also the year that you want to have, not just in terms of what you want to do, but who you want to become. It kind of reminded me of, uh, this is, you know, uh, something that a 20 year old, you know, comedian, 20 some year old comedian actually said. And, you know, she's 20 some years old and people say like, man, you gotta, you know, enjoy your 20s. 20s are great. And, you know, she said, you have to actually work on yourself in your 20s because if you don't, then you'll turn 30 and all the, you know, she's an expletive here and all the bad parts of you and your personality, they will solidify. And that's just who you are now. Those twenties are an opportunity to fish trash out of the lake before it freezes over. So that's a really good mental picture. You know, before things solidify, before it becomes who you are, um, there's always an opportunity. There's always grace for you to reflect, uh, take inventory of your life, meditate on the person that you're becoming, and make commitments before the Lord. You know, if there's areas that you want to see the Lord working in, uh, this is a time to do that. Now, there's divine design 
behind this idea of new beginnings. Because every morning, you know, it is a new beginning. Can you imagine if God hadn't designed it this way? If he hadn't invented night, can you imagine what that be? One long 90 year long day. You know, like no night to break it up. No, like, new beginnings each and every day. Um, no, you know, if, if God hadn't even angled the planet in just the right angle uh, to give us four seasons in the year, it would be the same thing over and over and over again. And so this is part of the divine design that God has made for our lives and for our world. He gave also the Israelites cyclical celebrations throughout the year to mark the year as well. There is a newness, there is a freshness, a sense of possibility and optimism for believer and unbeliever alike. Because although there isn't anything inherently magical, just like we saw in the memes, there isn't something inherently magical that happens on January 1st. It is indeed a new year, a new beginning, a new chance within this journey that we call life. And so today's message uh, that I'm going to be preaching is titled, Set Your Heart on pilgrimage. Set your heart on pilgrimage. This idea that it's a long-term journey, that there is a destination in sight, and that we are called to walk this walk, every leg of the journey, in a faithful way. And so we're going to be going over uh, a psalm that many of us are very familiar with. It is Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Um, back in the day when I was a college student and I first discovered, you know, contemporary Christian music in America. Before then, I lived in Chile, and so I had no exposure to a lot of the more contemporary music then. This is when Passion was really big. This is when Chris Tomlin was taking off. And this is that this was like the song of our generation. It was, How lovely is your dwelling place, right? This is based on Psalm 84. Better is one day in your courts. And then when you split up into better is one day, and then some people keep saying the heart. Anyway, uh, so that was like a huge hit uh, back when I was in college. That already gives you an idea of how old I probably am. Uh, some of the younger people are like, what's a Chris Tomlin? Chris Tomlin was a very, very big deal um, and still is. Um, and so Psalm 84, we're going to go through it together. The entire Psalm, it starts out. You know, with the psalmist saying, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow, so even the most insignificant creature has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Selah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. 
Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Isn't this such a relevant psalm, especially now when we feel deprived of the ability to gather together? You know, it, you know, we know that church is more than a building. And yet when God's people gather in one place and there's fellowship with one another and fellowship with God within that place, there's something very special about that. And it's all right. And it's good to say, man, I miss that. Man, I miss being able to gather in one place with my brothers and my sisters and lifting up the name of God in that one place. There's something very special about that. Now, we're going to be focusing, though, on a very interesting part in the middle. It starts off by saying, you know, it's almost like looking from afar and seeing, man, how lovely is that dwelling place. And then at the very end, we end with... Uh, you know, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. I would rather be stationed here and the entrance of the courts of the Lord than dwell anywhere else. And so from in the very beginning, we are yearning for this place. At the very end, we've arrived at this place. And in the middle portion, there's a very interesting portion. It's verses five through seven. And it reads this way. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the Valley of Baca. That's literally a name of a valley in Palestine, but it also translates to weeping, weeping. So as they pass through the Valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. That's the same word that is used for blessing. The autumn rains also cover it with blessing. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. It's such a beautiful picture of the in-between from where we're setting off on this pilgrimage, setting off on this journey until the day we arrive in the interim, in the meanwhile, in the in-between. This is the picture that we see of God's people making their way to God's dwelling place. This same the same three verses in the Passion Translation, which is more of you know a rewording and an interpretation of the Bible, it reads, the same passage reads this way, How enriched are those who find their strength in the Lord. Within their hearts are the highways of holiness. Even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others find only pain. He gives to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. They grow stronger and stronger with every step forward. And the God of all gods will appear before them in Zion. 
The message, also another translation, another interpretation reads this way. And how blessed are all those in whom you live, whose lives become roads you travel. They wind through lonesome valleys, come upon brooks, discover cool springs and pools brimming with rain. God traveled. These roads curve up the mountain. And at the last turn, Zion. God in full view. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful picture of what life is like? So what does it mean to say set our hearts on pilgrimage? What is pilgrimage? It sounds like such an, like a dated word that seems to belong somewhere in the Middle Ages. And we used to hear about this a lot people making pilgrimage to a holy land. It's a word used to describe a journey, often a long one, towards a holy or a sacred place of worship. And in the Bible, this idea of pilgrimaging towards a holy and sacred place, it includes this idea of experiencing exile. Living as a pilgrim, or a word that the Bible uses as sojourner, or wayfarer, or traveler, in quest for a, a homeland. In quest for a homeland. To finally arrive home. Your ultimate destination. Your ultimate arriving. And this psalm, as we read it, it has actually three different levels, three ways in which you're able to interpret this psalm. The first is purely literal. So this was a psalm that people would actually sing as they're making their way to the sanctuary. So if you guys know, there was a temple in the middle of Jerusalem. There's a temple. And as people journey, sometimes several days journey they travel from far off lands they have to go through the deserts they have to go through different cities and different pathways through the wilderness until finally they see in the horizon they see jerusalem and in Jerusalem, you know, there's, um, you know, it's, it's surrounded by, uh, valleys actually. And so it's like a little, uh, a mount. And as you're climbing up and as you're ascending into Zion, as you're ascending into the city of God, you see the temple there as well. And it's literally people as they're traveling to this holy place, every step that they see is bringing them closer and they see the city that they're in for where they're able to worship the Lord in all his glory. This is where the Holy of Holies was, where the pure, undistilled glory of God resided as, as it hovered over the Ark of the Covenant. And so every step forward, you can imagine the excitement, the anticipation of these sojourners, of these travelers that come off from long, long ways uh, off just to be able to worship where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is the most purely literal way to, uh, to view this psalm, Psalm 84, as they're coming closer and closer. And as they finally arrive to the temple, they're able to sing, you know, better is one day in your courts here, finally arriving here in your presence than a thousand days elsewhere. Now, a second way to actually interpret the psalm is more figurative. We are not 
You know, uh, not just those Israelites on that day uh, when they're making their way to the temple. We are all on this pilgrimage. We're all on our way back to the Father. This entire life is experiencing ourselves, our lives as an exile, slowly making our way back home. We are all pilgrims. We are all sojourners. And every step forward, every day forward, brings us closer and closer to arriving to our true home. And the third way, which we actually won't be talking about today in depth, but it's the third is both literal and figurative. It's on a future day in Jerusalem when we will literally experience a dwelling place of God where he will be our God and we will be his people and we will sing together. How lovely is this dwelling place? This new heavens, new earth, new city coming up down from heaven. Better is one in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. And this is at the end of the age and at the beginning beginning of all things where all things are made new the true new year of all new years but i'll be focusing today on that second interpretation our lives as a pilgrimage and ultimate ascension to our home with god where this year 2021 brings us one step forward one step closer to the ultimate dwelling place of God. And as we meditate on this and as we set out on this new year, this psalm instructs us in what this in between looks like. We are, yes, with the Lord, but we are also not already there. We are somewhere in between. We are some way in transit. We are some way on our way in progress to our arrival. And this Psalm 84, especially those verses 5 through 7, it teaches us something about this journey that we call life. The first thing that I want to highlight for us today is that as we make our way forward and closer to the Lord, you will make the places of greatest pain places of deepest trust. The places that you go through of deepest and greatest pain. Those places that you would look at and you say, that is the valley of weeping. That was a season of weeping and pain and loss and grief. Those valleys that we call valleys of weeping, those places of greatest pain, they become places of deepest trust. It is in those moments when you are cornered and you are broken and you are filled with grief. Those moments when you can't see the light of the sun and all is shadows and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's in those moments that you have to draw from a deeper well. It is in those moments where you make it a place of springs. They weren't a place of springs until you got there. And it's in those moments that you will have to draw from a deeper well. You'll have to find a source of refreshment and a source of renewal other than yourself. You'll have to look around and find that God alone can lead you and sustain you through those valleys of weeping. I love that the psalmist is so real here because... 
Isn't it the fairy tale that man, as long as we're following the Lord, everything is just going to be mountaintops. Everything is going to be smooth sailing, a walk in the park. We're just going to go from better to better to better and to better. And we're never going to have to face heartbreak. We're never going to have to face loss and mourning in this life. But the psalmist is just so real here. He says, yes, we're going to have to go through some valleys that are so dark, that are so filled with shadow. They're so filled with grief that you're going to call them valleys of Baca, valleys of weeping. But you will make those places a place of springs. And that is the promise that God gives us. We will have to walk through the valley of weeping. You will have to walk there. I will have to walk there. Sooner or later, life will bring about us circumstances that will require that kind of grief, that will require that kind of mourning, that will bring us to the end of ourselves. And it's in those moments that God's promise and God's word says, you As a believer of God, as someone who calls upon a name that is higher, you will make those places a place of springs. God alone will sustain you there. God alone will satisfy you there. And if 2020 was one of those valleys for you, my prayer is that in retrospect, you'll be able to look back on the year 2020 and know that it was a place of deeper trust where you had to dig deeper, where you had to rely on his word and hold fast to his promises, where you had to access a faith in a way that you never had before, where you had to look all around you and say, my only hope, my only trust, my only salvation is in the Lord. That you'd be able to look back on those valleys and know that is in those moments It's in those moments that God walked you into a place of deeper trust. So you will make places of greatest pain. And we cannot sugarcoat this. We cannot say, oh, well, that was hard, but no biggie. God says it's okay for it to be a valley of pain, a valley of loss, a valley of weeping. But you will make those places, places of deepest trust in the Lord. Second, as you make your way one step closer to arriving home, you will make the moments of greatest challenge, moments of greatest strength. You will go from strength to strength to ever increasing strength. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, a, a, You know, it's a flat journey where it just goes progressively better and better. But it means that you're going to go from challenge to challenge. And those moments are going to test your strength. Those moments are going to build spiritual muscle in you that you did not have before. You know, something that is very popular at the beginning of the year, you know, it's these these New Year commitments, you know, to physically become stronger. Right. And sometimes at the beginning of the year, you see all these you know, before and after pictures. And wouldn't it be easy if life was just as simple as that? Just a before picture and an after picture. And there's no in between. But we have now, you know, the the luxury and the gift of 
you know, social, social media. And many of the people that actually post these transformations are now starting to post the transformation in between. So they actually show you, okay, this is how many push-ups I was able to do on day three, on day five, on day 23, on day 55, on day 206. And then finally, you know, day 365, this is how many push-ups I'm able to do. Or some people will, will do it like, you know, through planks or something like that. This is how long I was able to hold a plank for on, on week five and then on week 10 and then week 45 and then finally week 52. And you see the progression. You see that with every challenge, with every push forward, with every step forward, you're becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. It doesn't magically happen overnight. It happens as you take on new challenges and you find yourself you know, growing muscles that you didn't have before, having strength and resilience that you didn't have before. And this is exactly what Psalm 84 is talking about. As you go from these valley seasons, as you go from these places of challenge, these places where you look around and you see no sustenance, you see no source of water, you see no source of strength, you're going to find that you need to draw from a deeper well and you're going to find yourself becoming stronger and stronger. God's people are called to go from strength to strength. It's not an overnight magical process. It is a walk. It is a journey where you walk step by step and you find yourself, hopefully, in a place where you realize that you're stronger than you were before. How many of us walk through the year 2020 not realizing that you have a certain capacity, that you have a certain resilience, that you're able to endure more than you you initially thought, actually. And now as we're starting this year, 2021, we look back at the year 2020 and you realize, wow, I actually wasn't aware that I was I, I was able to withstand that much, that I was able to remain strong for that long. Where I, you know, I'm able to find strength in the Lord. Now, I am an avid journaler, and this is a habit that my fifth grade teacher, like, seriously, my fifth grade teacher, Miss Tilly Roberts, she, um, she forced us in fifth grade to write a journal entry every day. And ever since fifth grade, not every day, but I have become a journaler and I need to journal. It's almost like if, if I didn't journal about it, 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 um, like it didn't really happen. Partly it's because I have really bad memory, but it's also because like I need to kind of turn it over in my head. I need to internally process. I am more of an internal processor. And so I, I've kept journals for years and years and years and years. Fifth grade was a long, long time ago. And in between, there's many, many embarrassing, very embarrassing journal entries, right? Um, but there's one journal that I often go back to. This is the one journal that I usually keep at hand. And at least once a year, I go over it again. And it's a journal that I kept during probably the hardest and most painful couple of years in my life. I didn't see it then because I was just fighting to stay afloat. I was fighting to keep my head above water. That's all I was doing day by day. But I see it now, how those years that were the hardest years that I had ever gone through, those were the most 
transformative, most transforming, most worshipful, most faithful, defiant, filled with honest wrestling with the Lord. And I can look back and see, man, that was probably one of the moments when I see the strength of the Lord and the strength that the Lord has cultivated in me most clearly. And that is the reason why I often go back to that very journal. Many other years they come and go. Uh, Many other journals I don't really, you know, periodically go back through. But this one particular journal I do because I saw God most clearly during that season of a valley of weeping. And it reminds me that God is stronger and he also, through those two years, he made me stronger than ever before. We will go from strength to strength. That is our destiny. That is what the journey is laid out to be. That is our trajectory. We are called to go from strength to strength. It doesn't mean that you don't fall. It doesn't mean that there are no setbacks or detours, but it means that with every challenge, you will find yourself becoming stronger and stronger. Just like increasing the time of a plank, just like increasing the number of your push-up set. It's the same thing. You're going to find yourself going stronger and stronger. And finally, you know, Psalm 84 verses five through seven, the last promise that we're given in the in-between is that although you don't see it right now, and sometimes you forget it in the in-between, you will surely arrive at your destination and appear before God in Zion. You are going somewhere. Even when you feel like you're taking one step forward and two steps back, you're going somewhere. You're making your way closer and closer to your destination. You will not arrive, maybe not this year, maybe not the next year, maybe not the year after that, but you will surely arrive to where you need to be. We are playing the long game and we're in it to the end. It's not just a matter of ending the year right. It's a matter of playing the long game, reaching the end. We're not here just for a year-long stint. We're not just here to cross our fingers and hope for the best for this year, 2021. We cannot lose sight of the end goal and the lifelong journey that God will take us on. So late last year, I preached about how meditating on the end times is one of the most practical things for your everyday life. Because when you see where you're headed, when you see where you're going, what God is slowly making in you, forging in you, what God is is slowly leading you into, you are able to put everything else into perspective. You're able to see the sacrifice, the cost of every day, the habits that need to be put in place every day. You see the short game. You see the, the, the short term. You see it in the larger perspective. When you see where you're headed, you are... Do you know you're in a collision course on a trajectory and you are, it's almost like train tracks and you're going to find yourself going faster and faster on these train tracks and you are on a collision course with a conquering king and becoming a victorious church. This is where you're headed. This is where God is leading your life. So in the meantime, when you feel like giving up, you keep your eyes on the prize. 
when you feel like you're going in circles, when you feel like you haven't made any progress, when you feel like you don't have the strength or the courage or the resources of the, or the experiences or the character to get to where you're going, you keep your eyes on the prize. When you feel like you keep failing, and you keep falling into sin, and you're discouraged by your failures and your weaknesses, you keep your eyes on the prize. Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, enduring its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There are so many that have gone before us. So many that have run this race until the end. And they are that great cloud of witnesses. Rooting for you to make it through the finish line, not just make it through the year 2020, not just make it through the year 2021. They're rooting for you to make it all the way to the end, all the way through the finish line. And the greatest forerunner of all, Jesus Christ, when he himself faced the pain, when he himself went through the valley of Baca, when he himself went through the valley of weeping, the shame of the cross, when faced with the scorn of opposition and the sting of death, he had his eyes and he had his heart fixed on a joy that was set before him. As we keep our eyes set on this God, this Jesus, the Savior, he will help us not grow weary and lose heart. This is hope for all of us. Regardless of what kind of year you had in 2020, regardless of what kind of year you will have in 2021, this is hope for all of us that even when we go through the valley of weeping, we can make it a place of springs. Even when we feel weak or man, what was that year about? Man, this is such a difficult season. God's promise says we're going to go from strength to strength. And when we feel like we're losing our way, when we feel like, man, are we even inching forward in this journey? God's promise says you will make it to the end. You are going somewhere. You will surely arrive at your ultimate destination. So this is the last observation that I want to make from the psalm before we close for today. This psalm begins by using... The singular pronoun, my soul yearns, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. And then also at the very end, we end with a singular pronoun as well. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. But this middle portion that we looked at, this middle portion of verses 5 through 7, the pronouns are clearly plural. They pass through the valley of weeping. They make it a place of springs and cover it with blessings. And isn't this so fitting, right? In this middle portion, in this middle part of the journey, 
From the beginning until we finally reach our true home, when we finally end our pilgrimage, we get to walk this walk with others. We get to walk this walk with friends, with family, with community. Because we will often lose heart along the way. We will, no matter how strong we are, no matter how numb we are emotionally at times, we will lose heart along the way. We will often only see the pain and the weeping and not the springs or the wells. We will often forget about the sweetness of God's dwelling place, forget where we're headed and forget who is with us every step of the way. And that is why we need one another. That is the joy and the privilege of walking this journey, going on this pilgrimage together as a community. We don't have to do it alone. God, first and foremost, is with us, never forsaking us. There's not one step that you've taken in the last year or that you will take in this new year where God was not with you or where God will not be with you. And the second promise is that we don't have to do it alone. We have a community. We have a family that we walk alongside with.